0: Friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host Annie F Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We've got a great show in store and the countdown is on for when we get to hop on the bus and bring this little pod your way. 13 sleeps, as my many BFFs would say. And then a bunch of my team are coming to see a bunch of you guys. I hope you're planning to join us for one of these amazingly fun shows. Be sure to check out anniefdowns.com/events for all the details about the That Sounds Fun tour and get your tickets. Today on the show, I get to talk to Carrie Newhoff. Carrie Newhoff is a best-selling author, leadership expert, speaker, attorney, and nonprofit leader. Goodness, he's a lot of things. As the host of the top-rated Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, which I love and learn from all the time, And he curates one of the most widely read leadership blogs out there. He is the author of the best-selling Didn't See It Coming and his latest book, At Your Best: How to Get Time, Energy, and Priorities Working in Your Favor, released this week. Y'all, it's so good. I'm always challenged to be better when I talk to Carrie, and I think you will be today too. So here's my conversation with my friend, Carrie (laughs) Newhoff. Carrie, thanks for being back on That Sounds Fun.
1: Oh, always. I'll, I'll answer your mail and text any day, Annie. So thanks <laughs> for having me.
0: <laughs> well, it's just such a treat. I feel like so many people listening, we are all, all of us are leading somewhere. And you kind of have mm-hmm. stepped into this spot in our world where people go, well, did you hear what Carrie Newoff said about this? And did you hear what Carrie Newoff said about that? And
1: Tell my kids about that, okay? Because uh, <laughs> it's, it's not going particularly well some days, you know?
0: Listen, no, I believe great, that. But- leading at home is probably harder than leading uh-huh. anywhere else, right?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. I would imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. hard. You know, it's, it's ironic. One of the great joys of my life is my youngest son, who's 25, works with me in my company these yeah. days. So that is... A blast and a half. That's awesome. Um, Okay.
0: How did, I'm sorry, I don't know this answer, but how did you get in this spot? How did you get in the spot where we're, you're the one that we all go to for leadership stuff?
1: Oh gosh. It's just accident. It's all, and Grace, you know, they look an awful lot alike Mm. often, Annie, I burned out famously, yep, infamously 15 years ago, and I realized I had no hobbies. So I developed some hobbies, and uh, people like you, incredible voices for leaders to have hobbies because I had no life. Leadership was my life. <laughs> and it's not a hobby anymore, but I really enjoyed writing. And I had started a blog back in 2007 mm-hmm. when I uh, launched a new church, Connexus Church. It was a complicated thing, but I had to communicate publicly, so I thought, well, I'll try blogging. Yeah, so I did that. And then, you know, we launched church, it got off the ground, it was fine. And then I kept it alive. And I just really enjoyed it and did it as a little hobby. And to motivate myself, I'd written my first solo book almost a decade ago now on change. And I had read Michael Hyatt's platform. Mm -hmm. And I kind of realized, okay, publishers don't sell books. Authors sell books, yes. so I'm like, publishers I make the maybe. book. They
0: will put a cover on it and si- and put it together for you, and they'll help. And you can
1: keep them all in your garage. <laughs> that's and they right. Will that's board, right. right. Forever <laughs> that's in some warehouse. Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should get serious because I enjoy leadership, and I'd always done teaching and and consulting and that kind of thing. Very low key. I mean, you drive 45 minutes, go to a, a church basement, tell an elder board what they should do. They tell you you're wrong. They give you a a gift (laughs) card $50 (laughs) at Taco Bell and you go home, right? So, I mean, I had done that for years. And then I made a goal of like, okay, hopefully in the first year, 100,000 people show up. Otherwise, I won't be motivated. And within a couple months, 100,000 people showed up. And then it became my side hustle. And then about six years ago, I shifted gears and started doing leadership development full time. But honestly, Annie, I don't understand it fully. And I think it's just like, I learned everything the hard way. I went to law school. I went to seminary. They don't teach you how to run a law firm at law school. They don't teach you how to run a church at seminary. Yes. And so I'm just trying to figure out, okay, what did I not know? And how can I get people fast-tracked? And it's become what it has become today.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, it, very recently, we. I went back and listened to yours about executive assistants. I went back and listened to some of yours about leadership in your office that affects where your ministry and where it is. And and so I. I wonder for you, how are you determining what leadership conversation needs to be next?
1: Hmm. Couple things. If I'm struggling with it, chances are. A lot of people are. Yeah, I do have, I don't know whether it's a gift or just an aptitude. If you look at my Strength Finders, I think it's Strength Finders, future is my number one. Yeah. So I don't live in the present. I live in the future. So I'm always trying to connect the dots. Oh, uh, wow. This morning I was reading on AI. How can AI make you a better writer? I don't know whether it can, but all like right. that stuff really interests me. Right. And then I signed up for this service that does, I still write all my own stuff, but like, yeah. well, what does AI assisted writing look like? I think a lot about the virtual office. I released a course on the virtual office about a year before the pandemic.
0: Oh, my gosh. And it was
1: like, hey, way in the future, 10 years from now, people are going to work from home and it'll be remote. And then the world blew up. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, some of that is very natural. And then we do have data. I always tell my team, the internet doesn't lie. Uh And we read the comments. We follow people on social. We try to anticipate what are the real problems that leaders are facing today. And what can we anticipate people struggling with tomorrow? And then we try to produce resources within our wheelhouse. Like we don't yeah. do everything, but I do leadership change, personal growth. And if it's something I feel that we or people we know can speak into, I try to do it. And then, as you know, with podcasting, you can be an expert in a lot of things because I have to do is shut up and ask some questions. That's right? right? So
0: That's With right. my leadership
1: podcast, it's like, oh, we can go all over the place that I know nothing about. So yeah. part of that is like free consulting for me. Yes. I just like invite people like you on and then I learn a bunch of stuff and take notes.
0: Well, Carrie, every episode you do is free consulting for all of us. So thank you <laughs> very much for doing that. I'm so thankful. How have you seen? I'm really interested that, you know, recently, I think it's New York. Times, but you can correct me because I think you probably know. Said that like fifty five percent of people in the workforce are wanting to leave their current job. Oh yeah, how do there's, you see there's that? There's all kinds yeah. of
1: different stats. Yeah, it's huge.
0: It's it's a so wild I think number
1: couple of factors. Number one, there has been a big migration. People moving out of the cities are redistributing themselves. And it's wreaked havoc with real estate. And people are also revamping their homes. You know, the I'm working out of a closet in March of 2020 became well now we've redone the mm. backyard and the spare yeah. bedroom and did an addition. And so now it's optimal. Like I've yep. been working out of this. For six years. Wow. And, you know, I kind of created an optimal virtual office back in 2015, 2016, but a lot of people have done that now. And so everybody's kind of caught up. And then I think, you know, the world was very, this is a theory. I have lots of theories. Some are correct, most are wrong. I love your theory. But my theory, Annie, is people were all online before, but I think the last year and a half has shown us what is really possible. Like my oldest son is, so I run a remote company. And again, I started that company five years ago. And, you know, my EA is in New Jersey and uh, we have a project manager in Memphis and my podcast manager lives in Indiana. And uh, this is world headquarters and I'm the only person in the office most days. (laughs) And My social media coordinator lives 10 minutes away and and she runs things out of her house. And I have someone in Toronto and Hamilton and different places like that. So it just really works. Then we bring everybody together. But I think for the first time, people kind of realized, oh, that's a real thing, not a unicorn. Mm -hmm. And people are, I I read a stat this morning that like 64% of the American workforce, according to the Wall Street Journal, I think, is still working at some level of remote work. In other words, we're not fully back to the office. So there used to be an office, over half are still doing remote. And so I think that leaves people going, huh, the whole gig economy, which was predicted to be half of the economy by 2027, has probably accelerated. I don't know what the yeah. current stat is. And people go, I guess I've got more options than I thought. And I guess I've got some, fr- and as you know, you know, lots of people are hiring. Remember, we had massive unemployment a year ago, and we we're like, oh my goodness, here comes a Great Depression, and now you can't hire anybody.
0: Yes. Every store I've been to has a sign that says, we're hiring. We're hiring here at my office. I mean, everybody's hiring.
1: Yeah, we're hiring right now too. It's yeah. like uh and and you can find good people. I just yes. advertised for a content manager. We had hundred and sixty applications, which was incredible, oh and a handful of super qualified people, yeah. which is I'll see what the team does with that. Yeah. But I'm super I don't know. I haven't got my 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 uh, eyeballs in the weeds on that one yet. But how do you I, hire I do well?
0: How do you hire well and and oh what's the process to that? Is it do you stand by hire slow, fire fast?
1: Yeah, it's a good idea. The problem is if I hire you, I'm probably going to nurture you for too long and I'm probably going to try to rescue you. So I'm still actively recovering from that. I really care about it. I feel like, wow, you've made one of the biggest changes you've made in your life. So I've I've learned an awful lot uh, about that over the years and I haven't always done it well. Uh, I think one of the things we've done on this most recent search, and we'll do this again. So I just hired a new EA earlier in 2021. We're hiring a content manager. We're probably going to hire someone else this fall as well, part-time for my wife, an assistant, and a social media manager, just very part-time. But I hired a performance coach who's also a Mm -hmm. trained clinical psychologist. Yes. And he did my profile. And then he ran all the final candidates through, everybody was freaked out. They're like, oh, I feel like I'm being deconstructed. And it's like, well, that's (laughs) the point. But he can can point out, he can find out the vulnerabilities and the areas where, okay, this is probably going to work and this is not going to work. And you kind of do the hard stuff up front. So it was a very grueling process. We ran everybody through stuff from strength finders to the Enneagram to, um, Pat Lencioni's new working genius assessment and beyond. And then we brought Dr. Chappelle into it and he did numerous interviews and then we made a more informed decision. So, Mm. you know, we've done that with one position now and it's worked out well. And generally we, we end up keeping most of the people that we hire over the years, but it's tough because you are playing with people's lives. And I think really slow in the interview process, take your time, don't panic remember that this is half as much about what they are committing to as what you are committing to because it's turning their whole life upside down. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other thing is to know yourself really well. So we've worked really hard on our cultural values over the years. And I'm sure you have as well, but we have values like, you know, battle mediocrity. We don't want to do mediocre stuff, even our free stuff. We want Mm -hmm. to be Great stuff. We have values like, uh, you'll love this one. Have fun. Am I taking yes. it all too seriously? Yes. Cause I can. Yes, um, and, and some other values, uh, what else do we got? Uh, surprise and amaze. Have I done what's expected and gone beyond? Mm-hmm. So there is a way of doing things in our company that is very peculiar to us. And we want to make sure that that person is a good fit.
0: Yeah. Ours are work hard, pray hard, rest hard, play hard. We believe that's in those fun. four. We try to and 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 they dial. I mean, as you dig into them, there's more to each of them. But we, you know, that's what we're looking for is someone who will who will value resting as well as working. But I did recently I would love for you to talk about this because this really leads to your book at your best, where mm. I'll say the subtitle because it'll help people how to get time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. I recently heard Jenny Allen say, that, that our problem is not boundaries. Our problem, people are setting boundaries too quickly and not persevering in what's hard for them. Hmm. What do you think Hmm. about that? I've been thinking about that for 24 hours since I read her quote on that. And I, I think she's, I think there's parts of that that's really profoundly true.
1: So one of the things that I talk about in At Your Best, as you know, and thank you for endorsing the book, um, is I encourage people to set their best hours. Their best at 3 to 5 hours, which I call your green zone. So we yeah. all have 24 equal hours in a day. They don't all feel equal. No. And I'm a morning person. What are you Did you know what your peak hours are, Annie? Like oh, in the day in a typical day, when are you at your best?
0: 6 to 6 to 11
1: a.m. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Morning like person, a lot of sure. morning people, a lot of yeah. leaders are morning people, but you can be a night owl or an afternoon person or whatever. Here's the challenge with with Jenny's quote that I think you get yourself into. So it is a boundary thing. And Mm -hmm. what happens is most people live reactively, right? It's like you wake up in the morning, you have a ramshackle breakfast, you then decide to work out a little bit. Uh, If you're a morning person like you are and like I am, then you've kind of blown through your creative space. You're not writing podcast questions. You're not writing the next chapter of your new book. You're not writing that killer talk, Annie, that you know is due. And you're not writing that strategic document for your company for the next quarter and you're not doing all the important stuff. And then you got a uh, 50 texts that you haven't replied to. So you start working through those. And then you look in your inbox and you're like, it's on fire. <laughs> yeah. And the next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock. Yeah. And your whole day has gone up in, sh- in flames. And so what I argue is that you should find your green zone, those best hours, and you should protect it. Mm-hmm. But here's where the perseverance comes. When you really do that, it's terrifying. Yeah. Because all your devices are off, like the notifications are off on your devices, you're sitting there quietly in your room. You're Nobody's bugging you. Mm-hmm. And then you have to face the demon of you, Annie. Mm-hmm. And you've actually got to face the blank page. Yeah, And you've got to say, oh, I got to do the hard work. And it is really difficult because then you'll be tempted to go in and say, well, I'll just check social for a little while <laughs> and see what's happening there. And a half hour later, you and know. And as soon as you and
0: I open social, we're at work. That's work as soon as we open it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think that it is, you know, it's what Cal Newport says that deep work is really hard and increasingly rare. Hmm. The ability to focus, the ability yeah. to think through an issue, to first principles, the idea, the ability to shut out the world so that you can do your most important work. And honestly, hmm. for a parent, that can be undistracted focusing on your child, actually being present when you're reading them a book as opposed Mm -hmm. to, do you know how many parents I see, and this isn't judgy, I mean, we didn't have it because we didn't have smartphones when my kids were (laughs) younger. But, you know, they're pushing their baby in a stroller and chatting with a friend on the phone and scrolling social at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I can do the same thing with my wife. I can do the same thing with my adult kids. But to be fully present, to be fully present with a friend, fully present in that one-on-one where you're not thinking about what's next, that's really difficult. And I think we are losing the ability to persevere.
0: Yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Trust and Will. I know that so many of our friends listening are just starting out buying a home or having babies and building wealth. I know our buddy, Carrie, the attorney, will agree how important this is, but you need to be sure to add securing your family's future to your to-do list by establishing a will or trust at trustandwill.com. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is really simple, convenient, and secure. For as little as $39, you can designate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your own home. Because here's the thing, hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands, and using a one-size-fits-all template is not nearly specialized enough, but trust and will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. And with the live customer support seven days a week, trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. They even have a quiz. You know, I love a quiz. And they will help you sort through that really important work of the legacy you want to leave. Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning, the category leader and trust pilot, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their family's assets and legacy. I want that for you guys too. So gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash that sounds fun and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait, go right now. This is really important. Y'all get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash that sounds fun. Trustandwill.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Carrie. That's so interesting, that quote from Jenny and your thoughts on that, because I've just thought, man, we have we have done the thing and I'm I'm a proponent of it because everyone in my company, I need them to rest. That's like a must do. If you're going to work here, you have to tell me when you're not working like you need to tell me when you're taking a day off every week. But I we don't my concern is maybe sometimes I've overtaught resting and undertaught working hard (laughs) Hmm. and undertaught the perseverance of working really hard.
1: You know, it's interesting, back to our hiring thing, I've found that there are self-starters and non-self-starters, and I haven't quite figured out how to turn a non-self-starter into a self-starter.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can. I think you just need to give them lists.
1: I think that's a hire. Yeah, there are people who do. It's like, here's your long list, please plow through it. And then there are other people who find things to do. Yeah. And I find with hiring, it goes a lot better if, uh, in my company anyway, and when I was leading the church, when I was leading the church that I led, if I found people who could figure out what to do, I don't Mm. mind coaching. I don't mind guiding, but, um, I find there, do you find this with some employees, you have to tell them put on the brakes and others, you have to tell them to step on the gas.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) And in me, I can, I have to tell myself both of those things at times.
1: Hmm. There are times
0: hmm. where I'm like, you yeah. have got to take a break. And other times I'm like, you have got to work harder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, the, the 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 one of the mantras of the book is live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. Yeah. And I think it's a constant battle. So we're recording this right after Labor Day. We had the big Labor Day weekend. I actually took a full weekend off, which was great. Yeah. Yesterday I said to my wife, Tony, we're finishing a backyard renovation. I put a fire table together. The good yeah. news is the fire table burnt, but it didn't burn down. So yeah. this is good. Like it <laughs> works. It did what it's supposed to do. So, produces the adequate amount of fire yeah. and no more and no less. So that was a bit of a miracle. Miracles still happen. <laughs> put together some other things. And I'm like, okay, I'm bored. I have to get back to work. So there's this balance between being off and being on. Mm -hmm. And then today I did some writing, some heavy lifting writing um, for my blog and some other articles I was working on, podcast prep. And then I thought I have three interviews this afternoon. So you know what I did? Put on my bike kit. Yeah. And I went out for a 25-minute ride. Normally I do one hour, two hour ride. Yeah. But I I thought, how am I going to be at my best to get through the afternoon, which is not my prime time because I'm off the clock five, five and six hours of interviews. So I just did a quick bike ride. Then I lay down on the couch for 10 minutes and now I'm back to work and I've yeah. kind of got like energy in the tank. And I find it's a constant, it's a constant battle because mm-hmm. you think, okay, I've got a formula. It should work. And last night you, I don't know the, cause I'm Canadian. I don't know whether you have these, but we got an Amber alert at 3 AM.
0: Oh yeah, we have them, but uh, we did not get one, but yes, we had them.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, this now goes through all of your devices. So I sleep right. with a smartwatch and It was like 3 a.m. My wife and I are both like, beep, beep, beep. You think the house is on fire. It's like Amber Alert, which is always a sad story. Yeah. Um, But, you know, oh, thanks for a really big week. You know, 3 a.m. alert. I really appreciate being woken up in the dead of night. Right. It's hard.
0: I can't believe you have three podcasts today that you're being interviewed.
1: Mm -hmm. What's your Mm -hmm. max
0: in a day? How many shows do you do in a day? Either your show or being interviewed.
1: So when I'm doing my normal rhythm, uh, and this is this gets us into some good territory. So thanks for asking the question. When I'm doing my normal rhythm, I used to try to batch podcasts. I used I heard yeah. John Lee Dumas, entrepreneur on fire, once said he just does interviews all day Friday. So I found when I go beyond two, I start zoning out. So generally yeah. speaking, I only interview. Two people a day. And that's usually once a week on a Wednesday. Okay. Is I'll have a one o'clock, three o'clock interview. People are surprisingly available. Yeah. If you schedule it well enough in advance. We're in book launch season. So I took all of July off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got ready for this. So this is about my max. Uh, yeah. I'm doing uh this interview, which your first. So you'll you. You, you get no leftovers, Annie F <laughs> downs. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
0: Thank no leftovers
1: here. <laughs> and then I have a couple of more, and some of them are shorter, and then one's a flip the mic. Yeah. So you know, we'll do something for her show and something for my show. So we'll do that. And then tomorrow, I think I have two interviews. Then yeah. Thursday, I don't have any. And Friday, I don't have any. So again, you know, you have a sustainable pace. The problem with a lot of people is they're living in a way today that will help them struggle tomorrow, they're living in a way that will barely make them survive tomorrow. I can do three interviews because I had nothing yesterday and I had the day off. And I also know Friday's coming and I got nothing scheduled for Friday. So that'll be a day of deep work. And and that's a choice because I'll tell you, like you, I could book my entire calendar full till the end of the month, the end of the year, no problem with opportunities. But it's a decision to do the hard work. And that's why you get to produce content. That's why I can do... 10 podcast episodes a month, that's why I can still write on a regular basis, can write new talks for a fresh speaking season, yeah. etc. cetera. If I didn't, if I was just skimming and I let other people determine my priorities, that's when it all starts to descend into a stress spiral.
0: Yeah. <laughs> stress spiral is the one of the worst feelings to me. I know that. I know it's to be horrible. caught in that tornado. When you talk to our friends? I'm thinking about like some of the men and women who are maybe stay-at-home parents or maybe it is someone who is trying to launch a product or launch a company or launch a book. Will you talk about the grace you have to have with yourself in one of those more stressful seasons?
1: I think you have to, if it truly is a season, seasons have beginnings and seasons have ends. Mm. If your busy season has no ending, it's not a season, it's your life. Right. So I would say right now I got a book launch and I know that book launch is September 14th and it's probably going to be busy until November 30th. In fact, that's what my life looks like right now. But I know December 1st, I have no more speaking engagements. Things will cool down a little bit. We can do some things internally. I have a date on the calendar. I think you and I've had that conversation before, Annie, where you have to have a season. And I think you can even look at that in terms of your launch launch is going to be crazy. And launch might be six months, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're in a writing deadline and and you're trying to get that, or you just open the doors on your boutique or your store or whatever that is. It's going to be crazy. But if there's no end, the problem for a lot of people is that the daily pace, because of all the inbound, has become unsustainable. Mm -hmm. And we keep looking to time off to heal us. And so we've got this unsustainable pace. The kids are crazy. You know, we got them in soccer three nights a week and dance and ballet and baseball and football and other music lessons. And we're just, we're going crazy. And we're like, oh, well, all I have to do is get to Thanksgiving or I just have to get to Christmas or I just have to get to summer break or I have to get to spring break or something like that. And time off won't heal you when the problem is how you spend time on.
0: And the problem
1: for most of us, it's how we're spending our time on. It is not the weekend that's killing us. It's Monday to Friday. It's the everyday with the kids. So, how do you build the cure for an unsustainable pace? It's a sustainable pace. It's not a vacation. Mm -hmm. And so, what I would do is, first of all, put a date on the calendar. Secondly, say, what in my current rhythm is fundamentally unsustainable? Wow. Is it the number of things I'm saying yes to? We only had, we have two kids, two boys, they're both in their 20s, they're grown and independent. But like when they were younger, and we didn't have smartphones at that time in the 90s and early 2000s that we have today, but Tony, my wife and I, we kind of knew like I was running a growing church. She was busy practicing law and working at a healthcare institution. And we kind of knew like, okay, we only have the capacity with only two kids for one sport and one music lesson per child at a time. That's it. That's our bandwidth. Yeah. And so we put those limits on, and Jordan wanted to play every music, musical instrument, and Sam wanted to play every sport. And so we just said, no, you get to do one. And then when Jordan was a teenager... He was like, well, I want to take drum lessons. And we're like, well, that's on your dime and your time. You yeah. figure it out. So he taught himself how to play drums, which is wow. great. And he turned out to be a great drummer. But you got to draw boundaries for yourself. And like date night can be a positive thing where it was like every Friday night now for years has been date night. Or we're going to say no to these opportunities. And, and one of the powers in that is categorical decision making. So, uh, one of my longtime staff members, she's got three kids under the age of five crazy times in her life. And, uh, you know, she was on mat leave for most of the last five years, maternity leave. So she made a decision, Sarah made a decision because she gets all these multi-level marketing type things, you know, essential oils and whatever else go to these parties. And she just said, not going to happen in, in this time of my life because of my Mm -hmm. schedule and also our budget. So she would just say to our friends, I'm sorry, I'm not doing those kinds of parties right now. If you want to get together for coffee on a Tuesday afternoon, let me know. Yeah, And that made her life a lot more sane. Yeah. So I think we do have to draw those boundaries and give yourself a little bit of time to breathe so that you can focus on what is really important. Yeah. Because otherwise you live in this gray zone where you're not really present whatever you're doing. Your kids, your business, your, your, your launch, whatever is not getting your full attention. And you flop into bed exhausted every night. Mm
0: -hmm. You, uh, when I read at your best, I don't even think I've, I may have texted and told you this Carrie, but when I read at your best, I made one pretty quick, pretty big change where on Monday nights, after I do the mini BFF book club, where I read a kid's book to kids, no other plans are allowed on my Monday night. That's it. That is the (sighs) only thing. And, and it doesn't mean I have something every other night. It just means that no matter what. Monday nights, I'm home. I'm home to do grocery, Hmm. to, to cook food for the week. I'm home to do laundry. I just needed, I I realized that I was not living in the green zone as far as that, because I may have had nights off during the week where I wasn't doing something social or out with friends, but there was never a consistent night at home. And Hmm. so when I read at your best, I was like, you know what? I will actually be at my best if I start my week off, not
1: socially. Good for you. What difference did that make, if I can ask oh, you? How did that feel? Yes.
0: And you can clip this and quote this anywhere you want to, <laughs> because it's because <laughs> of you that I did it. it. It has changed my whole week, honestly. It is really wow. reshaped. It, it makes me feel calmer as the week starts, because my Sunday scaries aren't so... Even though I love my job. I mean, I built my company. I can't leave here. I don't get to quit here and go work somewhere else. I will this company dies or I die. I don't know who goes first, but one of us goes first. But I and so uh, Sunday scaries are still real for everybody. And so but they're minor more controlled and more like, "Hey, if you don't get that done tonight, you have tomorrow." So, just move your laundry right. to tomorrow night because because something came up tonight and the things that you normally get done on a Sunday you're not going to get done on Sunday, but that's okay because you got Monday. And and so, but then the problem is socially, at times there'll be like, well, we can only do Monday. And then I have to have that hard conversation that you talk about in the book, Carrie, of saying like, do I break my own boundaries or not?
1: Hmm. And that's hard. It, it is really hard. And here's the thing. Most of us are so overly optimistic about what ke- we can accomplish. Uh, and... <laughs> Like, it's Uh, like, oh, yeah, I'll get that done. And I'll write the chapter of my new book while I'm sorting laundry. And while I'm reading someone a uh, (laughs) chapter from a book, right? Like, we're going to do it all. (laughs) Right. And uh, I've I've, I've been getting, I've been doing some coaching as the book releases for leaders. And one of the questions I get is like, how do you plan for crisis? Which is a really good question. Like, how do you plan for a global pandemic, for the Delta variant? How do you plan, how do you plan for a personal crisis where you get a diagnosis or a loved one gets into trouble or there's a car accident, like you can't plan for that. Right. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, life is really a series of crises. That's what it is. Yeah. And the problem with a lot of us is we don't make room for the unexpected. Yeah. We don't make room for the laundry not to dry exactly when it was supposed to dry because I don't have any more time and you're supposed to be dry now and how come you're not dry, right? We don't make time for our car to break down or, oh shoot, that oil change. I needed to get it done. We don't make time For a staff member to come in and say, I'm having a really bad day. Can we Mm -hmm. talk? And so I have a magic number. And my magic number is 15. Okay. And 15 is the number of meetings I can handle in a normal week. And that's been years of study and reflection of myself. Everybody's numbers will be different. I imagine yours will be bigger. If I go above 15 meetings, and those are on average one hour of meet, let's say one hour on average meet for a meeting. If I go to more than 15 commitments, work or personal in a week, I start to get anxious. Hmm. If I go below 12, I start to get bored. And most wow. of us have a range like that. So become a student of yourself and say, "Monday night was a great first step." Is our maximum number of podcast interviews that you can normally sustain? Mm-hmm. A number of social engagement. Tony and I in our own marriage, we say we have about 2 a week where we feel really good if we can get out do a couple of dinners with friends or outings with friends, time on the boat or backyard or at a restaurant. If we have two of those, we're living pretty good. Plus our date night, like that's, that's plenty for us. Now other people will say, no, I want five. And others would be, if I do one, like that's the maximum, but you will start if you've lived more than 20 years, (laughs) become a student of yourself. Your life has some kind of predictable pattern and you will begin to say, oh, I think my number is 20 or my number, your number might be eight. Mm-hmm. Like once I get beyond eight commitments in a week, it gets to be too much. Yeah. And uh, I think when we do that, we really get closer to living in a way today that will help us thrive tomorrow.
0: Hey, friends, just taking a short break from this conversation to give a shout out to our amazing partner, moinkbox.com. The best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, and the best salmon you'll ever eat are not coming from the grocery store. You'll only find them on the family farm and caught by independent Alaskan fishermen, which is exactly why you need moinkbox.com. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon right to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, where I'm sure animals are the happiest, and their fish swim wild in the ocean, where I'm pretty sure fish are the happiest. And Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find and prepackaged in the meat aisle. Sign up at moinkbox.com slash that sounds fun to get a year of bacon for free and then pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. You guys, a year of bacon, let's go. Change what you get each month and cancel any time, y'all. This meat is so delicious. I absolutely love that Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it is the best bacon he's ever tasted and I agree. It's so fun to get to support a family farm and someone we've seen on the show. They guarantee you'll say (laughs) Oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked (laughs) So join the moink movement today Go to moinkbox.com slash that sounds fun Right now and listeners of this show Get free bacon for a year That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste But for a limited time, y'all So go to boxcom slash that sounds fun That's moinkbox.com slash that sounds fun and now back to our conversation with Carrie. Help me think through this, Carrie, because one of the things I am considering after reading at and so at your best I had an immediate yes that I knew to do. Like I knew immediately, okay, mm. we need to set aside, but but as I've continued to live with the words and 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 become a better student of myself, I do see some pretty some changes coming after I go on tour in October because tour is so great because I'm gone for three weeks. I can kind of reset my life and no one knows where I am anyway. (laughs) right? (laughs) So no one thinks I'm home. So no one has any social expectation of me until November. Between now and November, people don't know where I am. But when I'm coming back in November, I think I'm going to have to draw some new boundaries for myself. And Mm -hmm. how when we're doing that, when we're really doing that, because we care about our own lives, because we care about the gospel, because we care about the people we love, how do we live with disappointing the people that I'm about to disappoint?
1: Well, the problems are happening every day, right? Like like the reality is most people are overwhelmed, overworked, and overcommitted. And that happens on a Tuesday. It happens on a Friday. Ah. It happens on a Sunday. And the problem is we get all these intentions and, or we think I'm going to take more time off. Like next year is the year where I will get three vacations. Or Mm -hmm. perhaps if you're in a really enlightened company or in a ministry context, maybe you get a sabbatical. But let me ask you this, Annie, how many times have you had friends personally that have taken a sabbatical, they limp into the sabbatical, they're absolutely exhausted, And then they come back and they've got a month off or six months off and they feel great, like they're great. And the Monday, first Monday back, by 11 a.m. they're drained again. It's like bug on a windshield, they just got smucked. And like, what is that? That's that whole principle that the problem isn't time off. Like we know how to vacation, we know how to go to the beach. We know how to lie by the ocean and soak up the rays. <laughs> but it's it's the Monday back that killed us. And so that you're right. This isn't a New Year's release. We thought about it, but we could get the book to market a little bit easier. Because the problem isn't, I want to do better. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to do better. But we're in the stress spiral, and we don't know how to get out. And so what the book, what At, at Your Best attempts to do is to bro- provide a pretty simple framework on how to get out. And that's what's, you know, when I burned out 15 years ago, it was a mess. And I spent five years trying to rebuild my life. This is a system I've used for over a decade and have trained thousands of leaders in, and it seems to be exportable. So I'm pretty excited to have it in book form. And it's just a question of recalibrating every day. And it's a constant onslaught because do you know about Dunbar's number? No. Oh, you would love this because you're so relational. Okay, Dunbar's number. There's a British evolutionary psychologist named Robin Dunbar, and he made the argument that human beings are capable of having 150 relationships. So, think oh, about I've heard this, me.
0: but I've never heard the name Dunbar. I've heard 150.
1: Yeah, you probably remember it. It, it is somewhere in the book. I buried yeah. it somewhere near near the near the back. Yeah. And Dunbar Dunbar says 150. So, how many followers do you have on Instagram
0: right oh. now? Oh. Yeah, more than uh, roughly 200,000, somewhere in there.
1: 200,000. So you have blown all historic relational ability to smithereens. It's gone. And he bases this. He says you can have three to five close friends, like BFFs, true BFFs, who know every detail of your life Mm -hmm. that you're – and he says these aren't – these are hardwired. They're cognitive, he would say. Now, he's he's not a Christian, but we would say designed. Yeah. You, that God actually designed you for 3 to 5 close relationships, 12 to 15 true friends, and 150 people who you know fairly well and probably connect with at least annually, mm. and beyond that, it's too much. And then he traces this through several millennia. And he says, this is how humans have always organized themselves. The wow. average medieval town was about 150 to 200 people because wow. you could know the blacksmith and the cobbler <laughs> yeah. and the person who baked the best pies. And even military companies tend to be broken down into smaller regiments. He goes back to the scripture and says, Jesus said 12 Yeah, I was disciples. about to say, he,
0: Jesus did that too.
1: And And then an inner circle of... three.
0: Three?
1: Yeah. Right. Look at that. Isn't that bizarre? And he finds these patterns all over history, right back to Roman times and prior to that. And you think about the average church in North America is how many people are less? 200 or less. 85% of churches are 200 or
0: less. 85% of churches are 200 people or less. 85% of churches,
1: according to Warren Bird and the data, I think Barna too. yeah, Yeah. Are 200 people or less. Now we move into this era Where digitally, people have access to us. You know, I don't have 200,000 followers, but if you add my channels together, there's probably 100,000. And, you know, leaders access my content one and a half million times a month. Like that is bonkers. (laughs) And I don't have the ability to know that many people. And even if you're like, well, we don't have those numbers. But sure, if you have 350 people who follow you on Instagram, you've already blown your relational capacity out of the water. yes, And that's why I think technology is not a problem. It's here to stay. It has problems. It has unintended consequences and a lot of upside that comes with it. But yeah. that's now the life we all have to navigate. I think that's one of the reasons everyone feels so numb.
0: Is it worth, is this insane what I'm about to say to you? Is it worth making a list of those three groups? Like, have is there value in really looking at who those people are?
1: I I think there is. I think there is. I think I'm working through that with my uh, therapist right now. Wow. You know, who are my three to five? Who are my 12 to 15? And then the 150, I don't know whether you have to write that or not. I think knowing that, you know, because you're, you're three to five, you should be connecting with every week. Yeah. Those are the people, even if it's just texts, right? And you're having a meal together once a month or something that you do together once a month. You got your three to five. and And I think the reason a lot of us are numb, Annie, is because... Digital communication doesn't categorize those people. So you get a text Mm -hmm. from your truly best friend and then some random person who somehow got your cell number three years ago who you haven't heard from, and they're not prioritized. And you feel the urgency because you've got 17 unread texts. Now you have to get back to everybody. And there should be a triage system to say, well, mom, I'm gonna get back to you. Okay. And my truly best friend from college, who I talk to every day, I'm going to get back to you. And what's your name again? You can wait a little bit longer. And then I, I, some of my staff don't like it when I talk about this. I have inboxes I don't read. Yeah. Because otherwise I will get overwhelmed. Like I haven't looked at a Facebook message in a long time. Yes. And it was just a choice I made. I will be in a limited way engaged on Facebook. But I don't know who all these people are. That is not the channel to reach me on. And otherwise, my, my world is just completely over, overwhelmed. So do dozens of people think I'm an absolute jerk because I never get back to them? I don't know. Right. But it means I can be fully present for this interview. And it means that when I'm talking to someone in real life or my son calls, I can pay attention to that.
0: Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I mean, My Instagram bio says, I don't check my DMs. Because it just got to mm-hmm. where I couldn't, I don't watch stories and I don't check my DMs. I just can't participate in social media like that. And and nope. so I just had to draw that line and my team knows. And so we handle it, you know, but I, it, is, it is hard to draw that line. But See, I and wonder, that's weird but.
1: because I do, if you hear from me on Instagram, uh-huh. that's actually me nine times out of 10. Yeah, Instagram is the too. one channel. I've chosen to still be active on yep. and everything else I kind of ignore in my team handles. Yep. And you know, I think the thing is nobody knows you have permission to do that. You yeah. have permission to do that. Yes,
0: that's right. I, I'm the exact same way. Instagram is always me Fa- and Twitter is always me. And, but I don't do tons on Twitter, but Facebook, I just, I don't have bandwidth for.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the key is it's not that you have to do Instagram, you have to do right. Facebook right. or whatever. I think the key is you have to figure out what channels am I going to monitor? And then the depth of the relationship should determine the depth and speed of your response.
0: Ah, oh, wow. So
1: when someone in that inner circle has a crisis or, you, you know, text them back at length, call them, right. spend an hour with them, FaceTime them, go right. to their house. Like that's what they're for. But then the person who you barely remember who texted you about some crisis because they have no close friends, you don't necessarily have to give that person the same weight as though they were related to you or one of your children or your best yeah. friend or your neighbor. Yeah. Like, And I think that's gotten really confusing. Digital manners are really bizarre. And digital communication is always sent at the convenience of the sender. Never at the convenience of the recipient.
0: Interesting. You're exactly right. right.
1: So if, if I text you, it was important to me in that moment, but like you didn't get to choose whether whether what time that text came in. Right. It would be like back in the day when people used to get like lots of snail mail.
0: Yeah. Imagine
1: yeah. if the post, the letter carrier, just stood at your door, and every time a new letter arrived, it was like Annie. Here's a bill for you know your uh, your power bill, Annie. Here's a postcard. Hey, Annie. It's like leave me alone. Like, can you do this once a day? Like, do (laughs) this once a day. Leave me alone. Like, how about you leave it in a box at the end of the driveway? Okay. And when I want to, I will go and get the mail. And that that whole system died a long time ago. And now we have this and all these channels. Like when I was writing the book, I thought, how many inboxes do I have? Mm -hmm. I have eleven. That's pathetic. It's pathetic that I have 11 ways for people to get a hold of me. And those aren't my choosing. Those are social media platforms I, yeah. I belong to. Like I remember when Instagram didn't have an inbox. Do you right. remember
0: that? Yes.
1: <laughs> it didn't used to, but now it does. So right.
0: The mail idea, the postal mail idea is also like, how can I take that? Because, I mean, the your book, At Your Best, it, it has me thinking all the time about this. And so I'm going... Hmm. Okay, how can I treat my phone like a mailbox? How can I right. turn off notifications except when I want to walk out to the mailbox and get all the mail and respond to it? That is mm-hmm. that is quite a thought. I wonder how many more things would get read in my life and how many other things would get accomplished if I treated my text messages like a mailbox.
1: Well, you know, a great example of that is uh, our mutual friend, John Mark Comer. You know John Mark, don't you? I love John Mark. I love
0: him. I'm a huge fan.
1: I'm a huge fan too. His new book, Live No Lies, is a fantastic book. And it just shows the depth. And he's only 40. um, But it shows the depth of what can happen. He puts his phone to bed. I'll get this slightly wrong and it changes all the time. But if you email John Mark, He says, I only answer emails on Monday. Yeah. Once in a while, he'll get back to you at another time. But that's his automatic autoresponder. So he's already six days a week off email. And he puts his phone to bed at like, I don't know, six o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night and doesn't pick it up. I think these days he told me till 11 a.m. the next morning. Wow. And what does he do? He reads for an hour or two in the morning. And there's one thing between, you know, you can cram for an exam, you can, oh, I got to write this book. So I'm going to read something that will be research for my book. Right. That's one way to develop knowledge. Another way is just to say, I'm just going to read because I really enjoy reading. Yeah. And I think if you really want to grow your wisdom, and you know what's amazing? The world keeps spinning when his phone's in bed. Yeah. And uh, my whole family, my two boys, my wife and I, uh, we went off the grid and went camping. So we're five hours from a cell phone signal. Oh my we're gosh. an hour by car and then three and a half hour paddling a canoe with everything we're going to take with us on our back from a cell phone signal. And you don't even know, like, people are like, what happens if you have a medical emergency? Well, I guess you figure it out or yeah. they bury you at the campsite. I don't <laughs> oh know. You know, we made it back. but But it's amazing how the world continues without you. Yeah. And... I've learned if it's truly an emergency because people are like, well, like I don't sleep with my phone near my bed. I sleep with it a couple floors down here in my office, which yeah. is in the basement of my house. And it's amazing the world keeps spinning and if it's really important, someone will knock at my door and wake me up. Yeah. And otherwise, I'll get a really good night's sleep and I'll see the world in the morning. And we've yeah. forgotten that humanity used to live that way. Yes. And of course, the whole attention economy is geared on the fact that you need to know this right now and you need to click on this link and you need to pay attention. And it's it's put our anxiety through the roof. And yes. so why don't we reclaim some of that margin in our life? Why don't we reclaim some of that peace and that mental margin? And then back to the original quote from Jenny Allen, that's where you have to then train yourself mm-hmm to push through and say, I'm going to do some deep thinking. I'm going to do some deep breathing. Maybe I'll go have a nap and not worry about getting woken up. Yeah, Um, Stuff like that. And life goes a lot better. Like I have more energy in my fifties now than I did in my thirties when I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. It's way better. And Uh, I'm getting way more done. That's a thing. They're not exclusive. It's not like, oh, all your ambitions are out the window. It's like, no, I'm getting way more done with my life than I ever imagined. And Generally, most days, if I get this right, it's better. And the days I get it wrong, well, I recalibrate and we try again tomorrow.
0: Okay, so Carrie, the book came out on Tuesday. Today is Friday. And they they can still get the masterclass, right?
1: They can if you're listening to this in real time, as you would be if you're an Annie fan and it comes directly (laughs) to your phone. Um, Yeah, you can still, if the timing's right, you can get a masterclass that we shot. It's a video companion for the book. And uh, it's got study questions and everything. For a few more hours, it's for free, and then it'll be a, a very low cost, but yeah. you can get the book in that. You just go to atyourbesttoday.com. Also, for people who are wondering, you know, how you're really doing, because, uh, oh, we didn't talk about this, Annie, but uh, my goodness, people who are burned out, right? Like yeah. burned out, burned out, you kind of know you're having trouble getting out of bed, your brain isn't working, you got no energy, you got no passion there's another condition. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I call it low grade burnout. Mm. And my definition of that is the functions of life continue, but the joy of life is gone. Mm. So you're going to work, you're going to the kids' games, you're you're hanging out with your friends, you're at the dinner party, but you're kind of checked out and you're not having fun anymore. Mm -hmm. We've got a, a burnout indicator that will kind of assess your level. And we've run thousands of leaders through it. You can do it for free. Just go to burnoutindicator.com. You'll get a customized report. That'll let you know where you're at. Because, you know, my heart is to be at your best. So you can get that at burnoutindicator.com. And then for everything related to the book, it's widely available anywhere you get books, including indie bookstores, by the way. We were really big on that one. And um, you can get all the the stuff, the free stuff associated with the book at atyourbesttoday.com.
0: Well, I am going to go to both of those sites because I've never taken the burnout indicator and I would be very oh, interested to wow. see. Well, that one will see... be there and
1: it will be free ad nauseum or, or ad infinitum is what yeah. I wanted to say. So yeah, it's there for you.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, okay, Carrie, well, you know, the last thing we always ask and I'm very mm-hmm. interested to hear your answer because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you.
1: Doing a 30 hour cook on a brisket.
0: Like <gasps> really? So. A 30 hour yeah. cook? Yeah.
1: 30 hours. Yeah. Get a big old brisket, throw a backyard. We spent the whole summer renovating our backyard. So I lost my little barbecue space was down to like a few bricks at one point. <laughs> then I had to go to the garage and move my wife's car every time I wanted to cook something. So we finally got it back. And uh, I want to do, I haven't done a brisket in like a long, long time. And the longest one I ever did was 30 hours. And wow. it's amazing. Yeah, and some burnt ends to boot. Oh, burnt burnt ends are so the best thing to ever come off a barbecue.
0: Carrie, my dad and you are similar in that that dad like over Labor Day weekend he went to the butcher and there was eight of us and he comes back and he's gotten like three different types of meat. We're like, Dad. (laughs) What are you doing? And he sent us home, you know, sent me and my friends home with a cooler full of meat to eat all week because he just loves grilling, and so it was just a hobby Mm -hmm. for him. So, I get, I get your brisket love because it is. I see it in my own family.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a lot of fun to me right now, and and it's been a few months since I've done one.
0: Well, listen, I think that's a great way to celebrate your new book coming out is give yourself some time <laughs> to to do that brisket in between podcast interviews.
1: Oh, that's it's going to be a lot of fun. Annie, thanks so much for having me back. I just so appreciate you, everything you do, and just... You're helping millions of people around the world and you're mm-hmm. such a gift. You're a gift to me, you're a gift to so many. So thank you.
0: You're very kind, Carrie. I feel the same about you. You are one of the best resources and we are I'm thankful to lead. Uh, at a time on the planet when you are helping me do that better than I do it on my own. So I'm very, very thankful. Thanks for doing this today. I can't wait for our friends to read At Your Best and tell me what night of the week they've decided to take off (laughs) from social. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Do your laundry, put your feet up, whatever you want to do. Just (laughs) take it easy. Build some margin into your life. It's about time.
0: you guys, isn't he so smart? Oh my gosh, he's so wise, so dear. I just cannot say more things about how much I love Carrie Newoff and his wife and the work that they do. Man, I'm so grateful. Hey, be sure to pick up a copy of his new book, At Your Best, and make sure you're following Carrie for all that good leadership wisdom so you can tell him thanks for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me, including out on tour in less than two weeks. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today. Friends, go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, please. I will do the same. Have a great weekend and we'll see you back here on Monday. Ooh, y'all aren't even ready for this conversation with Pastor Mike Todd. It is a good one. We'll see y'all back here on Monday.